0: Check 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 check. Hey y'all, and welcome to In and Color. I'm your host Kendra, and I'm here to tell you all about true black crime. I want to bring the light, the unheard, and pushed down stories of black serial killers, lesser known murderers, and true tales of crime scene cleanup. The danger in ignoring black victims and perpetrators is not only in the devaluation of black life, but also in ignoring systematic oppression that makes black people more vulnerable to violent crime and less likely to receive justice. I'm not saying let's celebrate black crime, but let's just bring some light to it and let the people know what's really happening. True crime is horrible. Luckily, I'm not. Here we go. These are their stories. Welcome back to In Killing Color, episode number seven. It's me. I don't have to introduce myself no more. I will if you've never heard it's Kendra, and I'm so glad you came back today we are going to talk about Ronnie O'Neill the i I'm sure nobody knows who that is you might you might not but it's fine by the end of the story you'll know let's get to it So the world is definitely filled with menacing people and we witness incidents of trifling shit every day. You got terrorists, you got serial killers, murderers, all type of shit. And these people make lives for their families a living hell if they're doing those things, you know, within the home. Not like serial killing in the home, but (laughs) you know what I mean? Domestic violence, things like that. Like you can make your family's life a living hell. So think back to... 2020 if you're a part of black twitter but if you're not maybe you saw him there is a picture of this guy from florida that was in the courtroom he was like yelling really loud he had like those wick dreads that like stuck up in the air he was like yelling and stuff and was like representing himself in court um and it turned into like this big huge like viral meme um everybody you know everybody was laughing at it making jokes about it, like, ah, it was so funny. They was using his reaction gifts, all these things, whatever. And it was, a, it was funny for a while. And then once we actually found out what he did to get there, the shit wasn't funny no more. So we're going to go back. This is back to 2018. So at 1143 p.m., the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office got a 911 emergency call from an unknown woman. The, then, like, during the call, you can hear an unknown male in the back screaming, Allah Akbar. I think I said that right, right? Allah, Allah Akbar. Yeah. Then the female caller, you can hear her saying, I'm so sorry, Ronnie. And then she screamed really loud. The male caller could be heard in the background saying, she killed me. And don't come outside. Call 911. Then the 911 call ended. Eight minutes later, a second 911 call came in at 11.51 p.m. This time, the male caller claiming to have been attacked by white demons accused the lady that had called in earlier of trying to kill him and that he just, quote, killed her. Ronnie gave that address to their home and the police got there about eight minutes later to find a woman later identified as his girlfriend, Kenyatta, lying unconscious in the front yard of the home. Prior to killing her, Ronnie was told... Or we heard that Ronnie yelled, come in here. I just killed this bitch. Ronnie the third also beat his daughter, whose name was Ronivia. He beat her with an axe. And, of course, she died. But the sad part about that is that his daughter was um, physically handicapped. She was disabled. And she was nonverbal. So... The whole time that these things were happening, his little daughter couldn't even like express anything. She couldn't say anything. Like, that's the part that made this just like, ugh. Like, what a fucking piece of shit. Um, there was also a little boy in the house, which was Ronnie the Fourth. Um, he got stabbed as well, but he was just. He was in critical condition after doing all these things. Ronnie then decided to set the house on fire. And luckily while the house was burning, the little boy, Ronnie, the fourth was able to, um, run out of the house with, he had multiple stab wounds and had some burns or whatever, but he was able to get outside and get with the detective. And he told the detective that my dad shot my mom. And then they took him to the hospital. Um, of course, at this point, it seems like Ronnie was, I don't know what he was going through. Maybe he was at a mental break. I, I, whatever. I really don't know. Um, but they said that he resisted arrest, um, until he got tasered and they put him in the car. And then when he got in the car, he decided to tell them that Kenyatta, which was the, his girlfriend, that she was the devil. And he said, those kids were the devil's kids. And I had to kill those demons in my house. Everything, every time I hear that, it always screams mental illness. Or he might just be putting on that front to plead insanity or something later on. Because you never really know if people are actually having an actual mental break or if they're just putting on to get less time or something. But either way, that was like... It, it was ridiculous. All that was... Uh, I don't, the the part about the daughter just... That just wore me out to, like, maximum. I can't even... I, I, I can't. Um, the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office did an early investigation and Detective Thomas Dirk reported that he found Kenyatta Barron's body on the ground covered in a sheet. She had multiple trauma marks on her face and a gunshot wound on her arm. Um... <clears throat> Kenyatta was born on April, I mean, excuse me, on November 13th, 1984. She was from Florida. Um, she went to a local co- community college there. Um, she was a woman of faith. So she went to church regularly. She believed in God. And she had those two kids with Ronnie, Ronivia and Ronnie Jr. You know, it seems like from what I read about her, there was not a lot, but it was a little bit that she was just a really like cool and like genuine person. Um, she loved the kids, like her and the kids, like did everything together And she never thought she would have never thought that, you know, her man, the father of her kids would do something like that. Just. But you never know what goes on behind closed doors, because there's no history of, you know, what happened before or what she used to go through every day, which is why I said in the beginning, you never know what kind of monsters people have living in their house, because it may look one way on the outside, but on the inside could just be a whole nother whole nother dimension of bullshit every day for everybody. You just never know. So the trial for Ronnie started on June the 16th, 2021. And that also is a big, huge problem for me. Like this happened in 2018. So it takes three years for the trial to even start. That's one thing I don't understand about the justice system. Why does it take three years to even get them in court to start the trial? Like three years, three, like I don't, I don't get that. Maybe there's a, a science behind it. Maybe there's, I don't know. I need to look that up because that doesn't make any fucking sense to me whatsoever. Anyway, the, the survivor, little Ronnie, his little son, um, testified in court as a witness and his dad obviously was being his own lawyer. So his dad asked him, did I hurt you the night of the incident? And he said, yes. His dad then said, how did I hurt you? The little boy said, you stabbed me. And Ronnie was actually had this like huge, humongous, like dramatic cross examination of his son. And it was like, he's like, not only did he have the trauma of seeing his mom and his sister die and the house being set on fire, but you're in court having to relive these things, getting questioned by the man who actually did this to you, like basically making a mockery of the whole thing. Like, it didn't really matter. Like, I, can you imagine your dad killing all your family and then he coming into court asking you what he did? Like, what kind of dumb shit? Like, <laughs> that doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever to me. None of this makes any sense to me. None of it makes any sense. Um, I just, I, I lost my whole train of thought because I just, <laughs> I just made me like, super duper annoyed so um, basically um, the news reports were saying that you know Ronnie further traumatized his son by calling him um, to face the man who stabbed him and killing his mom and they just basically said he had no shame at that point Um, but Ronnie Jr. said that he told a whole another story he said that he told the police he heard his father and mom arguing over something and went up to the front to find out what they were arguing about He then said that he got there. His dad was running behind his mom with a shotgun. Her mom took shelter in the little girl's room because he figured, you know, she probably figured that he wouldn't hurt the little girl. He then forced his son to hold the shotgun and shoot his mom. But the bullet didn't hit her. So after that, let me just run that back. See if y'all heard what I said. He forced the little boy to hold the gun and shoot his mom. But he missed. So then he took the gun back and then he shot her himself. <sighs> little Ronnie further testified that his, um, that his mom struggled and tried to get help by calling 911. But she was eventually beaten to death. And then, like I said earlier, I don't want to repeat that again, but the dad did what he did to the little girl. He told the police that he got the little sister got hit behind her head. And she couldn't defend herself because, like I said, she was disabled and had um, cerebral palsy. The neighbor, James Gray, told the court that his fiancee lived next door to the victim. That night, they heard loud noises and tons of screams coming from the house. And when he opened the door, he saw a woman on the ground lying helplessly while a man stood next to her with a shotgun in his hand. And he testified that that was indeed Ronnie. Um, At this point, they brought in somebody to do the autopsy report and the medical examiner said that she suffered a gunshot wound to her right back shoulder and her arm was also broken. She also had numerous head injuries and a fractured skull due to being beaten with a shotgun. Her teeth were also broken and she ultimately died of a brain hemorrhage. Ronnie O'Neill's parents told the police that he called them before the night of the killings and told, him that, told them that someone was trying to kill him. They indicated that their son maybe became really paranoid and committed these crimes in a wild state of paranoia. Okay. Of course, you know, your parents will try to take up for you. But to me, it just be like either it's mental or it's a setup from the beginning. Like you call your mom and dad and be like, oh, I think I'm about to kill. Oh, somebody's trying to kill me. And then the next day, you kill everybody in the house. Okay. They tried, the state really tried to uh, present him as an insane person to get his sentence reduced, but during the investigation, he was found to be perfectly normal. O'Neill came into the, in the courtroom afterwards, shackled and dressed in a red inmate suit. He stood up and spoke to everyone and he said he would not apologize for his actions. He said, I'm not sorry for something I didn't do. And then he raised his voice and said, and I'm not sorry for the things I did do. The judge looked at him and basically was like, calm the fuck down. Like you doing too fucking much. And I'm about to put your ass out. If you don't stop doing that shit. He then calmed himself down and was like, and this is him talking to his family and Kenyatta's family. I will say, I'm sorry for your loss. Everybody wants to point fingers and play the blame game without knowing the actual facts. <laughs> Nigga, What? <laughs> what? You're going to tell that girl's parents and your parents, I'm sorry for your loss. (laughs) It's the insanity for me. It's the audacity for me. It's the boy if you don't get your motherfucking ass out of here for me. (laughs) Like, like, I can't even help but laugh. Like Ronnie, you are a wild boy. Like, that's all I can say. And here is the shady part. They were trying to say that Ronnie was acting in self-defense by invoking the stand-your-ground law. <laughs> St- stand your ground. What you need to stand your ground for? For a little girl in a fucking wheelchair with cerebral palsy. Stand what ground, big dog? What ground? Ch- <sighs> the audacity of men, folk. I tell you what. <laughs> But, however, on June 21st, 2021, he was still found guilty of two counts of first-degree murder, one count of attempted first-degree murder, two counts of aggravated child abuse, one count of arson, and one count of resisting a law enforcement officer. A month later, on July 23rd, he was given three life sentences without the possibility of parole, plus 90 years running consecutively. And that's... you know, I hate when they do all that extra shit. Just be like, dog, you in jail, you not getting out. That's it. I mean, oh, three life sentences. So what is life? Is it like natural life? Because natural life is technically, from what I read somewhere, it's like 55 years. So it's 55, 55, 55, 90. Just be like, I'm not, you're not getting back out. Don't even worry about it. Life, no possibility, period. But I guess you got to be technical about it. And then later on, the judge, whose name was um, Michelle Sisko, she said it was literally probably the worst case she's ever seen to date, starting back from when she was a judge in 2002. She said, these murders were among the most cruel and vicious our community has ever seen. The little firefighter um, that carried out the little girl's body literally like carried her out and he was just crying as he carried her out. He said, it took every ounce of everything in me to not just start bawling and falling on the ground. Because nobody should have witnessed what I saw. And something like that pretty much will haunt you for the rest of your life. And he says, I know, the judge herself, after she saw the pictures, she said, I know for me, I would definitely be haunted by those pictures that I saw. Because it was just unnecessary cruelty to, that little girl did not deserve that. She didn't. Like, she couldn't even, that little girl couldn't even take care of herself. Like, she couldn't even fathom what was happening. That's the stupid part. Like, (laughs) that's the stupid shit I like the judge was like you know she said she couldn't scream she couldn't run away she watched her mom die and she saw all these things where her daughter was already you know born with all these physical and mental challenges and for you to do that to her was literally like this just disgusting um this part is probably going to be a little weird to hear, but it's in here. The judge said that she came, became visibly emotional when she described the moment of the little girl's death. She said, at that moment, the first time you struck her with that hatchet, little Ronnie testified all he could see was tears coming out of his sister's face. And at that moment, that child knew that she was being betrayed in the most tragic way that a child could ever be betrayed. She was being betrayed by her parent, the one person that should be there to protect them, and love them and keep them from harm. And that's the last thing that that child felt. Before she passed from this earth. Was your utter utter and cruel betrayal. To her. And the sad part about that is. Is he really. Does not give a fuck. He don't care. Because like I said earlier. He said sorry for your loss. It was actually his loss. Because he lost his kids. Kid and his girlfriend. But. There is a little bit of light to the end of the story. Ronnie Jr. ended up being adopted by one of the detectives um, that came to the house that night. His name was Mike Blair, and they welcomed Ronnie in and treat him like a son, and he's been with them for the last year now. So basically, the they call these the Riverview Killings because that was the neighborhood that it took place in. So the Riverview Killings, on one hand, is... The story of horror and brutality spread by menacing people affecting the lives of their families, the communities, and everybody around it. But it also shows the courage shown by a little boy who had to stand up against his dad and try to get justice for his mom and his little sister. This incident also gives us a lesson to be aware of whom we are living with, whom we decide to be with, who we decide to procreate with, and who we decide to share our life with. Because any red flags, any hostile behavior, bitch get get with it get a note keep a notebook keep an eye on it because these motherfuckers will flip a switch on your ass and you never know after me listening to all these damn true crime and shit child my head be on the fucking swivel for everything like every day and it's terrible And I don't want to be like that but I can't help but be like that now that I read this type of stuff all the time and see it it's just like Charlie, let, let me keep an eye on you. You was moving kind of funny the other day. I don't know about that. Well, you raised your voice a little bit higher. Uh that's new. hmm I got something for your ass. <laughs> Cause it's gonna be some smoke in the city. I'm gonna tell you what, boy. <laughs> it's gonna be some motherfucking smoke in the city, okay? <laughs> anyway, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to episode number seven. I appreciate it. Make sure you're following me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at InKillingColor. Follow my producers. It's the Sweet Talkers. My theme song was done by Remix Maniacs. And all the research and everything was done by me because that is what i do. I'll holler at y'all next time. Bye.
1: I'm not even kidding I marked in my head where you spoke about her uh-huh. and I am totally skipping over it I, I never want to hear that again in
0: my life and you know it's I, when I did that part I read it but I did this when I first started doing it so I haven't read that since I did it and I was I'm like oh oh like that, uh. that that disturbed like that, I'm gonna have to
1: like exhale off of this one uh-huh. have, that, that's gonna sit with me like that I have a, um you know people have like their like their thing that they're like sensitive about mm-hmm. for me is homeless people, yeah. and um, people who are mentally disabled, physically disabled. I have like a, it's like I'm very sensitive about something even mm-hmm. I have like the visual. Like,
0: I, I, I get visual, I'm a visual girl, so I like I pictured that I just pictured that whole thing and yeah, I was and like, like, ooh, yeah, Ugh. Like, Ugh. The,
1: thing is like, I, the fact that I'm very vivid in my imagination, but I know it's not even a quarter of what actually happened. Like, I'm just like, man, like, with that little boy I had to, like...
0: Like, he has to remember that for the rest of his life, like...
1: And I almost feel like, and, and this is going to sound kind of strange, but it's going to follow me. Like, in this regard, like, maybe the mom and the sister got off easier than him, in a way. Mm-hmm. Because having to carry
0: that man, like... That's going to be a lot for him, like... Yeah. Imagine, like... Yeah, my dad was the Riverview killer...
1: I made it out with yeah, my life. I got stabbed right. up
0: and burnt, but I'm here. My mama and my sister did, though. My daddy in jail. What a fuck? And, and, and don't give a fuck
1: about and it. And this
0: motherfucker had a si- <laughs> I'm going to post a picture, y'all. He had a sign that had, I love you, showing it to his goddamn fam.
1: Are you kidding
0: me? No, I'm not. He had a sign that said, love you with a fucking heart. And he cheesed and was smiling, showing the sign to his family in the fucking courtroom.
1: It's, it's the, that antagonistic, antagonistic shit that I'm just like, yo.
0: It's the passive-aggressive shit that would have had a family member sail over the back and punch you in the face. I mean, because that's on courtroom, courtroom. I'm, brawl. I'm
1: gonna just go ahead and um and go ahead and just be and take that charge. Yeah. Because I'm gonna beat your ass. Yeah. I'm like, beat your ass.
0: it's giving I'm ass beat. beat
1: and <laughs> and, I, and I, may, I may not feel better about it afterward, but but, but you know what, I did it.
0: I did that. Thank I you. Did I did that. I did yeah. This one was tough. Yeah.
1: This one was hard. I ain't gonna lie to you. That this was one, a... This is a hard one, sis.
0: Yeah.
1: I ain't felt like this since, um...
0: Michelle. Yes. Yeah. That
1: Michelle, stupid ass.